The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Right, good morning to you. It's Monday morning. You're watching Scorebox with Karen Cho, Jeff Cutmore, myself, Steve Sedgwick. And these are your headlines. So Asian stocks hitting a six-week high ahead of a packed week with more than a third of the S&P 500 reporting alongside key U.S. data plus a Fed decision. Meanwhile, though, India is shaken by a coronavirus storm. The nation's hospitals are overwhelmed as infections hit record levels, deaths spike and allies rush to send aid. Italy emerges from its latest lockdown as Prime Minister Mario Draghi strikes a recovery plan deal with the EU, reportedly preparing to spend 220 billion euros to revive the battered economy. Saving summer European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says the bloc will open to fully vaccinated US tourists for the peak season. And it's the Oscars. Nomadland wins the Best Picture Award as Oscars chart new territory for diversity with Asian actors winning key awards as the Academy looks to the return of the silver screen after a year of pandemic disruption. It was a bounce back for U.S. markets on the Friday session. A lot to contend with over the course of the trading week. Investors still bumping around some of the highs on markets as they're digesting news around a potential increase in capital gains tax for some large investors. That caused a little bit choppy trade during the trading week. But as we closed out the trading session for the week, markets are moving north. We did have a record level on the S&P again during the trading session, but not into the finish. But the gain is still strong, as you can see, more than 1% on the S&P, 1.4% pop for the Nasdaq. But there has been a feel about markets as investors waited out for more information to justify some fairly high valuations at this point. And we are very much in the middle of earnings season. 177 companies on the S&P 500 to report this week. So investors will be looking for that evidence. And the catalyst potentially to take markets forward or even in the opposite direction. So big moving stocks we saw in session, Goldman Sachs and don't forget the banks were some of the earliest ones to kick off the earnings parade. The likes of Apple having a fairly positive impact on the S&P 500 and also for the Nasdaq, one of the big stocks reporting this week. So earnings front and centre is the takeaway message this week. Let's take a quick look at the oil market. Uh, One of the other big themes has been what's playing out with the vaccine story and COVID infections. A huge focus on the situation in India that has rattled some nerves about the global recovery story. Just how patchy it still remains at this point. You can see WTI coming off a little bit, four tens down, the half of a percent off the Brent trade, just below $66. Uh, a quick look at uh, what we're seeing elsewhere on some of the other crosses. Uh, the uh, dollar, the Bitcoin trade, uh, the dollar this morning, a little bit weaker versus the Japanese yen. Uh, firmer, though, uh, against the uh, some of the other trades. And a quick look at Bitcoin in a rush to get to Bitcoin, I think. <laughs> we did crack the, the 50,000 point mark at one point to the downside. Bear market territories where we hit, but you can see we're now bouncing back morning session above 52,000. That is a, a 3.6% lift off. Jeff. 
Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That two-month low on the dollar is uh, giving some support to the Asian session this morning. And there just feels to be a slightly better tone across the Asian markets more broadly, even as we talk about those uh, worst cases in Japan and, of course, the terrible COVID situation in India. Let's get Matt to uh, wrap it all up for us. Uh, Matt joins us out of Singapore. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, we are seeing a mostly firmer session for markets across Asia. A number of these markets really managing to pull themselves out of negative territory that we did see earlier on in the session. Jakarta, though, is lower, uh, as is the Australian market. China just back from the lunch break, and we are seeing gains. Take a look, though, at the Indian market moving higher today. We did have another day of record numbers, 352,991 new cases in India, 2,812 deaths. That is a record. The Japanese market turning around, a state of emergency declared over there at the weekend, kicking off yesterday, running to May 11th to prevent spiking case numbers there. But we do have the Nikkei moving higher. And while we're speaking about COVID, some of the airline stocks moving higher today. Singapore Airlines, Cathay Pacific, Hong Kong and Singapore announcing that we'll start that travel bubble between the two cities. The 26th of May captured just one flight a day with just 200 passengers in each direction. You might remember that this was announced last year, but was shelved back in November after we saw an outbreak of cases in Hong Kong. Cathay Pacific up by about 3%. Singapore Airlines higher by about 2%. Back to you now in London. Okay, investors are bracing for one of the busiest weeks in this quarter's U.S. earnings season. We've over a third of the S&P 500 set to produce results, including major tech giants. Now, you've got Tesla here uh, kicking off the week when it reports after the closing bell today, followed by Alphabet, Microsoft. You've got Starbucks, Pin Interest as well are on there on Tuesday. Wednesday, uh, Apple and Facebook are due to report. And away from big tech, Boeing and Caterpillar uh, will outline some of the pressures they're facing from uh, rising materials and transportation costs when they report on Wednesday uh, and Thursday, respectively. I recognize this one reporting on Thursday. I have to say, in the tiniest way imaginable on the, on the global population, I am a tiny shareholder of this one as well. So uh, must looking at that one. And uh, on Friday, we've got Exxon closing out the week. Uh, they will be reporting on Friday. Let's take a look at the U.S. futures and where they're currently trading. Uh, very interesting to note that the Dow has caught up 54 points, the S&P up only a couple of points, and the Nasdaq called flattish at the start of trading. Well, Tesla will hope its latest earnings can recharge the rally it has enjoyed over recent years. Shares in electric car maker have seen a relatively lackluster start to 2021, up by just over 3%. Analysts will be watching for updated guidance for Tesla's delivery numbers, having posted record deliveries for the first quarter. The company may also need to address the deadly crash earlier this month. Now, good morning to you, Karen. Very nice to see you. I understand Jeffrey's uh, all very well in Oxfordshire as well after a lovely weekend. Look, both of you... Um, Yes, the earnings season is very important, but I would say for individual companies, yes, you may see some oscillation from the norm. But what I would say is look at where we were last week on the back of a large amount of companies reporting 
on the S&P and broader yes, last week, we actually did nothing on the markets, despite the fact that we are beating at a rate of around about 20% above estimates. Now, that doesn't surprise any of our viewers who've watched this show uh, and our cynicism over the years about calling it lower in order to beat by a wide margin. That is uh, an oft, often used sleight of hand, a trick used by the, uh, the, the ladies and gentlemen in corporate world, which you're allowed to do, don't get me wrong, call it down and then miraculously beat the analysts as well. But the Dow last week did 0.5% negative. The S&P did negative 0.13%. The Nasdaq was down 0.3%. My point here is, yes, companies are beating, but the broader market is just waiting and seeing. And I think despite the fact that there is this other mantra, yes, we can grow into our earnings. Our valuation can grow into the earnings as the earnings uh, continue to be good and we can just stay where we are on that front. I think actually what we are talking about, and uh, it was alluded to earlier on already by uh, you, I think it was you talking about, is the fact that the dollar story, and I think where we are on the dollar, where we are on the 10-year yields, where we are with the policy from the central bank. And that's why I think the FOMC announcement on Wednesday is very important. That will be a greater determinant of where these markets go next. The link for the markets when it comes to bond yields is what happens with technology stocks, because the very low interest rate environment has been a supportive factor for All the technology. All of them. Yes, but in particular but for the technology sector. Why would you say particularly technology sector? Because you've seen this, this view that we're going to have low rates for so much longer that it has just propelled money into these growth stocks. And in because particular they don't into, make money, Karen. Well, that's the point. They, <laughs> No, well, don't get me wrong, a lot, no, a lot of them make very much money. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm talking about kind of the, the peripheral names on the side. The ones that make money, absolutely. Your Amazons, your Apples, are those, all very good and well. But the ones who don't make money, then it's their future cash flows that's very interesting. Right, but let me get to the point around why this week is important, because the, the names that are coming to the market with the, the show and tell, six biggest companies of the S&P 500. And if you're talking about the biggest in, in the yeah. index, it does have potential to move the index, but also some of these individual stocks will be interesting. For me, I've been closely eyeing some of them in Apple's had a little bit of a, a parade of some of the new devices coming to market. The stock has bounced a bit, but not on, on the highs that you've witnessed so far this year. So there's a little bit of an air of caution about what comes next, even for the likes of Apple. I think the stimulus check story is still going to be fascinating this week. Some of that will come into the device side for Apple, but it will also come into other areas of the market. What you're going to see with the likes of uh, Alphabet, I think, in terms of uh, some of the advertising momentum, uh, the likes of Amazon, how the money has been spent on some of the smaller items as well. So there'll be a real feature of some of that small spending uh, at, at this point in time. But I think for me, when it comes to technology, that what comes next story is interesting. But a lot of these companies have been trying to come up with those next growth plans. So investors will be closely eyeing what they may be, whether it's Apple, whether they talk about a car, the likes of Alphabet on the, the cloud momentum and advertising momentum they see, and Amazon, those deep investments, Jeff, they've already made in terms of building up the platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is going to be a fascinating week because uh, we've got the investment banks that are increasingly turning slightly more sour on the second quarter outlook here. You'll have noted uh, Goldman Sachs added its voice to uh, Morgan Stanley, to Bank of America, to Deutsche Bank, who are all now coming out with uh, consensus calls for a pullback in the second quarter uh, of potentially as much as uh, 10% here. So you've got the professional economists uh, at the investment banks who are saying, 
the second quarter is going to get a little uh, weak for market momentum. But even as they're saying that, they are acknowledging the stronger growth trends as we recover uh, from the pandemic. Obviously, there's a base effect in there, but there is clearly an earnings improvement. And you remember we spoke to Nick Nelson uh, last week from UBS, who pointed out you've got 110 companies in Europe that are reporting this week. And the expectation from them is for 2021, they'll see a 50% upside on EPS. Now, the market consensus is something like a 37% jump. So they are non-consensual. They are ahead of the expectations on the earnings side, but they do believe that there will be this uh, crossing out of the analyst expectations and a writing in with pencil a slightly better number here. The, the issue is, will that be good enough to counteract the, the broader concerns that we're going to have a seasonal slowdown in market momentum at this point? And I think, you know, coming back to your point, Karen, about the bond market, much of what transpires, I think, will revolve around the signaling from the Fed and from the bond curve itself. And of course, we've got a Fed meeting this week and everybody wants to know how Jay Powell feels about tapering. I suspect he is not going to give any indication that the central bank is looking at tapering anytime soon. So there will be continued green lights from the monetary policy side. Some important decisions need to be taken this week with regard to the Biden stimulus plan. So we'll be looking very closely at that. But on on the other side of the ledger, if you are looking for risks out there, I would suggest it still remains to be seen what happens with COVID cases for India, for Japan, uh, for other countries in Europe. And also the, the second one I would point out, which seems to be on some people's radar, but not everyone's, is this uh, case of Huarong in China. We just continue to watch this one at the margin to see whether the Chinese authorities are going to step in and bail out both domestic and international investors in this business. So just something to keep uh, a weathered eye on at this point. Uh, I believe I'm reading on. So let me pick up on the story and maybe we'll come back to the uh, market conversation a little later on. Uh, Europe then set for a busy earnings week. On Tuesday, we get the Swiss giants, UBS, ABB and Novartis posting their latest numbers along with Bayer, HSBC and BP, uh, lenders Deutsche Bank and Lloyds are set to report on Wednesday. Uh, Germany's Continental, BASF and Lufthansa will post on Thursday along with the French oil giant Total. Barclays and BNP Paribas are slated to report on Friday along with the pharma giant and COVID vaccine maker AstraZeneca, which means we're going to have a busy old week here on Squawk Box. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. Look, I'm just pouring through the uh, Royal Phillips numbers as well. And they're talking about, of course, an increasing diagnostic uh, of capabilities and treatment and personal health care business as well. We'll speak to the CEO, Phillips, uh, CEO Franz van Houten is going to join us to discuss the company's uh, fresh first quarter earnings release. That's coming up next. And for more on what to expect from the Fed this week amid a deluge of corporate earnings, you can check out the Squawk Box podcast.
Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on cnbc.com. Right, um, Bountiful. Oh, it's the owner of Solgar. Uh, they're vitamin supplements, aren't they? Uh, Osteo Bioflex, Puritan's Pride. <laughs> Never heard of Puritan's Pride. Uh, Dr. Organic, Sundown. Anyway, these are look like um, a, a whole host of nutritional supplements. I mean, Solgar, I would suggest, is one that most people have heard of as well. Well, the reason Protein I mentioned this because. Right? What's that? Protein bars, part of your diet. Well, yeah, occasionally. Um, <laughs> uh, take a few vitamins, I must be honest. Um, Nestle has announced that it's in discussions to acquire all or part of this company that owns the aforementioned brands. Uh, in discussions to acquire. That's pretty much all I've got on that front as well. So I, I shall move on. But safe to say, uh, Nestle had some absolutely terrific figures last week and really showed, dare I say it, their struggling uh, peer over the uh, Franco-Swiss border, the way to go forward. I want to get straight on, if I may, and we'll come back to this one, because we've got a CEO waiting in the wings as well. I'm just going to recap on some of the, uh, the Royal Phillips figures as well. Um, the group's delivered first quarter sales of 3.8 billion euros, up 9% comparable sales growth. Net income amounts to 40 million euros. Adjusted EBITDA margin improved 390 basis points to 9.5 as well. Um, they have talked, there's a lot in here as well, actually, as well. But I wanna, why don't we tell you what we'll do? We'll go straight to the CEO uh, of Philips as well, because I do want to talk uh, about some of the expectations that the company is talking about today uh, with the CEO of that company, who is Franz Van Houten. Uh, Franz, very nice to see you, as ever. I've got a lot of questions to ask you as well. You've upped your expectations for comparable sales growth going forward. But may I suggest maybe they look quite modest if I think you've gone from low single digits to low to mid, but given the fact where you've come from with the 9% increase in comparable sales, could you have gone a bit further, sir? Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. <clears throat> Let's first unpack the first quarter a bit uh, to give context. Um, so 9% revenue growth um, on the, uh, against uh, 2020, driven by a resumption of elective procedures in hospitals, a strong diagnosis and treatment, uh, business performance, consumers really liking our innovations, and still in connected care, the emergency response equipment such as ventilators and monitors going well. As the year will progress, however, of course, the comparison to last year is actually becoming a bit more difficult, right? And this is playing into, the, into your question, you know, why not more? So at this time, um, we are looking ahead uh, at a strong second quarter, but then the second half year, comparison is more difficult versus last year. All in all, we are raising guidance from low single-digit growth to low to mid-single-digit growth, which is still a significant step up um, in, in, a, in a world where there's still plenty of risks, I would, uh, I would emphasize. That's a fair point. Better to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. I get that, Franz. But look, um, 
If we'd have spoken to you at any stage in the last few years, you would have been very consistent in your mantra. You want to be a health tech company, connected care and, and the rest as well. Uh, and to be fair, given everything we've seen over the last year and a half, that has seen a, a very strong strategy. You had no idea about COVID-19, but obviously more connected care at home, more health tech. That has been your very firm mantra as well. But is there anything that's happened in this COVID epidemic that has made you think, actually, we need to focus more on this area or, or another area over here? Um, definitely. Uh, we have validated our strategy together with the healthcare providers, and we have seen a confirmation that the strategy is right. We, uh, we will see an acceleration towards telehealth and the adoption of healthcare informatics, both of which we have been heavily investing in over the last few years. We will also see a shift of care from the hospital to the home, um, where doctors and patients can also connect in different ways. And COVID has been uh, uh, a catalyst to that uh, trend. We, in the first quarter, which uh, besides Strong was also busy, uh, we were able to integrate two acquisitions that further strengthen our leadership. Uh, Biotelemetry is a leader in, uh, in cardiac monitoring uh, at home. And, and also Capsule is a, helps us to integrate uh, uh, the data from patient devices uh, and provide meaningful insights to doctors remotely. And so you can see how we are further building the health technology portfolio uh, to really deliver on what is the digital future of healthcare. Franz, just to pick up on some of your caution around the outlook, um, obviously supply chain shortages have been a feature of the pandemic and we've had semiconductor shortages. Can I ask you how close to normality is the business now with regard to both of these challenges? Or do you see some long tail effect through the rest of 2021? And how much are you being impacted? Well, we just talked about the fact that we see an uptick in revenue. And I'm sure that we are not the only company who is seeing a strong traction in, a, uh, in an economy that is robust. Uh, this all leads to more demand for semiconductors. And um, we are already seeing some issues uh, in dealing with that. And one of our businesses in, uh, in automatic defibrillators, for example, we had some shortage. Uh, so we're working very hard to work with the semiconductor makers to at least safeguard m medical equipment, uh, which you, we would all agree is essential for uh, the population. Um, for the latter part of this year, I think there's still some unknowns on how the semiconductor market will be able to cope. Uh, so this is something where I'm very much uh, on top of. Uh, and Franz, um, in the past, uh, we've seen some impact on the diagnosis and treatment business from the fact that elective procedures have just not taken place as the hospitals have coped with covid Again, um, what can you tell us about the recovery of that uh, particular business line at this stage? Well, we, we see, of course, a world where COVID is in different stages, right? And uh, in the United States, where uh, vaccination is progressing very well, you can then also see the resumption of elective procedures, patients coming back to the hospital for cardiovascular issues or for other ailments. And, and in late in the first quarter, we saw a strong uptick on these elective procedures, which 
um, help our diagnosis and treatment business. At the same time, we see other parts of the world, and really my heart goes out to uh, people in India, in Brazil, in some other countries that are still uh, wrecked by uh, the surge in COVID. And there we see then the need to aid with emergency response equipment, such as oxygen generators. And I'm pleased that we were able to to deliver to India a large shipment of oxygen generators because the people really need it there. So it's a world full of contrasts. Um, overall, we see a strengthening economy and also hospitals having more confidence to, to invest in capital equipment. So all of that helps Philips, especially the diagnosis and treatment uh, business and, uh, and supports then also this uh, increase in guidance for the whole company. Uh, Franz, it's Karen jumping in. I wanted to ask you about what you see on the horizon for M&A. There's been a couple of announcements this morning and you've mentioned about the, the divestment and what that happened with that around the domestic appliances business, but also uh, the acquisition around one other business. This is biotelemetry and capsule technologies. What do you see for the next 12 months? Uh, are you more acquisitive uh, when it comes to, to taking over other companies at this point? Well, I, first of all, I, I'm say, I can say I'm pleased that we were able to find a good home for our domestic appliances business with uh, Hill House. Um, we, we delivered that as planned and puts us in good shape to focus entirely on health technology. Um, we just completed those two transactions, biotelemetry and capsule. Uh, we have a strong organic growth plan. Uh, the guidance that we just talked about and the increased outlook is all on the back of our strong innovations um, in uh, minimally invasive therapies, in the device world, in uh, diagnostics, but also consumers demanding, let's say, good oral hygiene, good personal care. So the portfolio of Philips is strong. Uh, I certainly do not exclude that we would keep an eye open for uh, additional bold-on acquisitions uh, as we aim to strengthen the overall portfolio and also play into this trend towards more telehealth um, and, and supporting um, patients through the cloud, something that we are very excited about, leveraging also big data, artificial intelligence. Franz, when it comes to one of these acquisitions, uh, biotelemetry and capsule technologies, you've also flagged up a provision around a quality issue, 250 million euro provision. Are you concerned that uh, these issues may be lingering or is it a one-off that we can uh, effectively just park to one side once we get past these earnings? Yeah, obviously this is uh, uh, at this time to the best of our estimate a, a one-off. Uh, I want to explain and be transparent about it. We are a market leader in uh, sleep and respiratory care. This particular incident relates to our sleep apnea therapeutic devices uh, where we have a large installed base uh, we have seen if, uh, some incidents um, related to a component uh, that is affected and we want to be responsible and proactive and go out to these users and replace that component. Um, the incident rate is low. Nevertheless, we feel that this is important to do. Um, what people should expect from Philips, we are in contact with the regulatory uh, uh, agencies to uh, to see exactly on how we go about it, um, but that uh, is how we will treat with the safety of the users of these devices. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. 
or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.